There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's your name? Okay, what do you really say if somebody asks you, how are you doing, and you're not actually fine? 651-641-1071. This is the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Given the fact that uh, so many people are identifying with goblin mode, we're probably a little less fine than we sometimes let on. And uh, I read this article today that tells us that 70% of people, adults, which is more than two-thirds, regularly just automatically reply, I'm fine on autopilot before even thinking when they answer the question, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, as we well know, uh, 70% of people are not exactly fine. fine. Uh, but the reason why people do that, number one, they don't want to see be seen as draining or negative. They don't want to be a mood killer. Um, but more than a third don't think people actually want to know how they really are. So I thought... I know. So there's that. But also, you've got to, you know, people who have an answer to that question that isn't just fine. And I want to know what your answer is. 651-641-1071. What's your actual answer when people say, how are you doing? If you're not actually fine. Stacy's on the line. Shall we go to Stacy? Let's do it. Hi, Stacy. Stacy, when somebody says, how are you doing? And you're not really fine. What do you say? I usually tell them that at least I'm on this side of the dirt <laughs> and or fair to partly cloudy. Fair oh, to like partly that. cloudy. I like that. Yeah. You can give, put their own clouds in their story. There you go. Stacy. I love that. Thank you. You don't need to expand upon it. You can just give the real answer and then just move on with your day. What do you say when somebody says, how are you doing when you're not exactly fine? 651-641-1071. Bradley, what do you do? Uh, well, let's just uh, normally I just say I'm fine because um, I don't think most people really want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a pleasantry. But then if, you know, if I wanted to indicate that I'm not fine, but I still don't want to tell you what's really wrong, mm-hmm. I might just say something like, well, still here. <laughs> I'm existing. Yeah. But I like, again, I, I think for me, it's most of the time when people are like, hey, how are you doing? They don't really yeah, they're just trying to say hi. Yeah. They're not trying to get the real information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 651-641-1071. Do you have an answer uh, when you're not really fine and somebody says, how are you doing? Linda's on the line. Uh, we will go to Linda in just a moment. She's still telling Holly that she's not fine. Just kidding. Linda's on the line. Hi, Linda. Linda, what do you say when somebody says, how are you doing when you're not actually fine? I say, 
really? Do you really, really want to know? <laughs> if so, I'll tell you. Yeah, I got an answer. <laughs> Thanks for um, being polite and asking. <laughs> Linda, I love that. And how many times do people actually say, yeah, I do really want to know? Probably, actually, surprisingly enough, 50% of the time. Wow. I like that. Thank you for calling. Um, do you really want to know? I actually think that's a good question because I do think it's such an autopilot. And that's actually part of what uh, this article said is oftentimes people are also on autopilot when they say, how are you doing? Yeah. They don't even realize that they've asked the question. I think in English, it's just a greeting, right? Like I was listening to some per there was a like people learning a foreign language talking about um, Americans and uh, Americans who speak English. And one of the things this person said was, and I don't remember where they were from originally, but, or what language they spoke other than English, but they, um, said like, every time an American asks me how I'm doing, I have to stop and think, wait, do they really want to know right. how I'm doing? Or are they just like, is that just how they are saying hello? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, it's a good question and it's, you know, probably an appropriate reflection of how we use our language and our greetings. Um, Sandra is on the line. Let's go to Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Sandra, do you, uh, Sandra, what do you say when somebody says, how are you doing when you're not really fine? Oh, I'm kind of riding on the struggle bus today. Oh, that's a good one. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. And do people, when you do that, do people, uh, ask for more information or do they just no, sort of leave it at that? Know. So they'll just go, Oh, well, that's too bad. And then they'll move on. Yeah. I mean, I think people can identify what that feels like, though. Sandra, thank yeah. you for your call. Um, let's go to Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Lynn, what's your answer for how are you doing when you're not really fine? Well, either I normally say no complaints, mm-hmm. or if I have some complaints, I'll say minor complaints. Oh. And then they get to decide whether or not they want to ask more I mean, I think people don't. Yeah. I mean, isn't that, but I like that. Thank you, Lynn. I like that she leaves it open for more conversation or less conversation, Mm -hmm. and the other person gets to decide. Oh, for sure. Let's go to Amy. Hi, Amy. Amy, what do you say when people say, How are you doing if you're not really fine? I just say, All is well. All is well. And, And people just go along with it, and you're good. What, you know, it's kind of hard to follow up with that. They just kind of, Okay. Okay. Good to know. Thanks, Amy. Um, Well, in this article, they asked a comedian who, you know, wanted to acknowledge that oftentimes things aren't fine and there are other ways that you can have the conversation. And she gave some options of ways to, uh, to like things you can say instead of just saying fine. Yeah. Um, For example, she said, uh, you could say the F word is how I am. Oh, God. Or how long have you got? Or finish? Or, and I like this one. I'm whatever you're feeling. You tell me first. Uh, and uh, she said, you could say, I'm cutting out fine. So do you still want to know? Uh, screwed is another word that she has offered. Um, but she also said that there are a bunch of ways that you can get people to open up if they do say they're fine, but they're not really fine. And you know they're not really fine. Yeah. Uh, she said, um, you could say, give me the weather condition inside your head. Oh, that's a good one. I've I know. never heard that before. I know. I like that one. Um, I'll tell you how I am if you tell me how you are. Like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, if your life was in the news, what would be the headline right now? Or just plain spill, spill it. What's going on? So there you go. Hopefully yeah, so you, you have options. some things you, you can options. in your goblin mode. If you're not feeling fine and you really <laughs> want to talk just about grunt it, and then move on. Yeah, I I want to see <laughs> that along. actually play out in life. How are you doing today, ma'am? <laughs> Um, I picked this one up from somebody who I used to work with here. Actually, they worked part time at the radio station. And every time you asked her how she was doing, she would say, so far, so good. And I, I mean, that's not a bad way to do it. I kind of yeah. love it. Yeah. Like right? I'm here like, right now. Yeah. It's good <laughs> right now. It's fine. That's uh, potential to be crap. Yeah, but anything we'll see. can happen. So far, so good. <laughs> Could be worse. I know. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, Pete in Space. space. Pete Davidson is going to space, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about it. And uh, <laughs> after this, bye. It's going to space, and you are not. Uh, this is the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. That's Bradley Trainer. Hi. Hi. Um, Bradley, do you want to go to space with Pete Davidson? Turns out I am jealous of Pete Davidson. I don't want to go to space with him, but uh, I am definitely jealous of the news that Pete Davidson gets to go to space. Um, in fact, it made me think of the Muppets. Pigs in space. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I used to love that. Anyway, um, Pete is going to space, though, and we learned this yesterday. He's going to be joining five other people for this forthcoming mission. I love how they make it sound so um, official. It's so He's, not a mission. They're going to go flip around in zero Gs for a hot sack. Yeah, I mean, don't, but that's still awesome. My oh, point super is, duper. They're just not like it's not, delivering things to the yes, International yes, Space Station or yes, something. Exactly, exactly. So we learned that he will literally be going now uh it is currently march 15th tuesday yep pete davidson and five uh others will be headed to the edge of space because it's technically he's not going to space he's going to the edge of space uh i think of a perihelion i just made that up uh uh next wednesday march 23rd in west texas okay so literally (laughs) he's going to space next week cool you probably have a lot of questions audience um because if you're like me you uh would someday like to be up there too how does this even happen how can somebody like pete davidson just end up on the edge of space next week right well yeah i have a lot of logistical questions too like I feel like there's some prep time that's mm, needed true. in order to get yourself ready to go to space. Yeah. And we know that he was in bed with Kim Kardashian this weekend in Beverly Hills. That is not a part of the space preparation process. It's not. So I'm wondering, where is he going to get ready to go yeah. to space? And I, and how, why does it only take seven days? Where is this training montage? Yes, thank no, you. Thank you, Holly. These are all good I've questions. Seen space camp, and you're probably going to see this video come out uh, in the lead up to this flight, which happens again next Wednesday already on the 23rd. Now, first, I'm going to tell you that he is joining. Now, this is all because of Jeff Bezos and Blue Wiener, the mm-hmm. thing that flies to space. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos is like 60 foot long Wiener mobile. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it 60 feet? It's longer than that. I just made that up. Anyway, it's a oh, big it's long wiener mobile. Super way longer. Well, there's than a that. rocket, but then there's yeah. like the module that the people are in. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, he's going to be joining. That is, Pete Davidson will be joining the likes of Marty Allen, Jim Kitchen, uh-huh. George Neeld, okay. and Mark Hagel. Oh, also Sharon. 
Just Aunt Sharon? Hagel, Sharon oh, okay. Mark's wife. Oh, Oh, it's a couple's trip. Yeah, so you you probably don't even know who any of those people are. Well, I don't know the guy that Mr. Kitchen person is. He the person that named the kitchen? I mean, that's cute. I understand why he's so rich. Mm -hmm. But no. Okay. Um, Marty Allen is an investor and former CEO of a party supply store. Hey. I wonder if it's like... Party City? Who knew? (laughs) Anyway, I don't know. Jim Kitchen, actually an entrepreneur and business professor. George Neild is a former associate administrator for the Federal Aviation Administration Office of Commercial Space Space Transportation. Holy buckets. And you don't want to have a conversation with him. He'll tell you his title. Mark and his wife, Sharon, are Orlando real estate developers. And they they, uh, Mm. founded a space-focused non-profit. Anyway, so... The point is, Pete Davidson is not going to space with anyone you recognize. He he hung out with Jeff a while back, mm-hmm. and they had this conversation, which I'm assuming is what led to him heading to the edge of space. Now, you had a question, mm-hmm. I think, both of you, about the training montage. Yeah. So between now and next week, the crew... I mean, also, can we just sit with the fact that, like, Pete Davidson's going up with a bunch of, like, you know, like, business interest yokels? Right. Like, there's just not going to be a lot of camaraderie, probably, between Mark and Sharon Hagel and, you know, Comedy's own Pete Davidson. I mean, I think the only thing they have in common is their bank account, if that. Yeah, I think Pete probably, I mean, now, yes, but, like, Pete's just on a totally different planet than the rest of these people so to speak the crew uh all these folks are going to get to know each other a little bit better over the next few days training at blue origins facilities in west texas before the day of their flight next wednesday they they will climb on wednesday into this new shepherd capsule that sits atop the rocket Mm -hmm. after liftoff the rocket will tear past the speed of sound And uh, it will detach from the capsule. The rocket booster will head back to Earth, which we've all seen that video before. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then um, as the flight reaches its apex, passengers will experience a few minutes of weightlessness. Just a few. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's what's so bizarre about all this is it's literally just and I'm sure, though, for the people in this experience, again, this is life, uh, maybe not life changing, but certainly monumental it's, in their life it's like a one of a or like a three of a Once kind in a yeah yeah there are not a lot of people who have this exact experience um jeff bezos remember notably spent his time in weightless weightlessness throwing skittles around the cabin i just i can't i i he'll whatever <laughs> as gravity then begins to pull the capsule back towards earth the passengers will again experience and in- I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Tense G-forces before sets of parachutes are deployed, slowing the vehicle down before it touches less than 20 miles per hour in the Texas desert. The whole thing, by the way, is about 10 minutes. So this this uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience will 
last no more than 10 minutes. How much did, the, did they pay? The other people, are, are people paying to go? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the article that I read doesn't have details on the cost. I would imagine that um, some of them are there because, for example, the Hagels have a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And that was the other piece of this particular story that I found particularly delightful. Uh, this particular flight is going to be tied into a charity for kids. And I was like, well, of course. And I don't know if that's the same one the Hagels are responsible for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jeff Bezos is trying to perhaps burnish his image somewhat since the world seems to look around and go, mm-hmm. right now, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Right yeah. now, is we're going to send Jeff. the thing we're, we're gonna, doing? We're going to send Pete Davidson to space? Mm-hmm. Right now? I just really, I don't, I can't when you put it that way. Right? I can't believe the Like, words. I can look down and see the earth. Oh, also, look down and see what's happening on, on the, the earth. earth right now. I, it is, it is weird to kind of hold it all together at the same time. Like, the actual pain and conflict that is happening that is, you know, the subject of everybody's attention. And then the next headline being Pete David, Pete Davidson. I don't, I don't the, Saturday night lives. <laughs> Pete Davidson. Look, I'm happy for going to space. I'm happy for Pete. I'm happy for these people. I think all too often people poo poo space um, because they don't understand the wealth and uh, breadth and depth of, of science that we learn from space exploration. That said this, if I were Jeff Bezos, and I'm not mm-hmm. for many reasons. But if I were someone like Jeff Bezos, I would not be using my, this very public moment to um, bring like Kim Kardashian's new boyfriend to space. Right. Like it would just be a different conversation. I, I'm not saying you can't go to space. I'm not saying you can't do things in space. I think Jeff Bezos is probably, um, you know, really helping the future of space exploration in many ways but i just feel like he has such a horrible pr team behind Uh, him yeah and let's be clear that uh, yes you're right bradley space exploration really important science super important this is like a very expensive field trip that they're taking i mean it's 10 minutes up and down the same journey that has been taken a few times now. Maybe I would send some people who like wouldn't normally have the means to do something like this and maybe change the course of their life. There you go. I don't know. You're not Jeff Bezos. We've established that. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, celebrities behaving badly. We call them after this on my talk. One Oh seven one. behaving badly. We love to tell you about them on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. That's Bradley Trainer. Hi. And uh, we have a name for those celebrities behaving badly. Bradley, what do we call them? Bags of D. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Mm. 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 Who's your D bag? Mm. Oh. This is a roundabout D-bag, but go with me, okay? okay. Oh. I mean, D-bag, or roundabouts usually are kind of D-bag. Yeah, well, mm, sometimes they are. Um, People don't know how to use them. On the inside, keep going. On the outside, yield. That's all you need to know about a roundabout. Um, okay, this one involves Tom Brady, the quarterback, who recently announced his retirement and then announced that he was announcing that he was coming out of retirement. 
So he was, remember he was said, he said, I'm going to retire. And everybody went, oh my gosh, Tom Brady's retiring. Stop the press. Oh, bye. So then, then this guy went to an auction on Saturday where they auctioned off his final touchdown ball. Mm. And this guy paid over half a million dollars for it. (laughs) Oh God. And then Tom Brady was like, hey, turns out I've got more business to take care of. Yeah. So I'm going to come back. And that guy who was holding that half a million dollar ball Uh-oh. is now holding a $50,000 ball. Oh, no. Possibly closer to $25,000 ball. Also, who spends half a million dollars on a ball? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this guy. I don't want to blame the victim in this case, although I don't think he's a victim. I'm sure this guy thought this is going to be worth something. This is big. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if he was willing to spend, did you say half a million? Five hundred fifty. Oh God! Uh, thousand. Think dollars. about all the good that could do in the world. Sorry. He spent fifty five hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah. on a ball uh, that now, because Tom Brady is coming back to. The Buccaneers to finish some business. It's awkward. It's super awkward. And so, listen, I don't, I mean, I know that you probably think, like, I think the guy who spent a half a million dollars on the ball is a D-bag. I mean, okay. I don't think he's a D-bag. I just, like, I cannot imagine spending $500,000. But I get it. Like, if there's, if you're a huge sports ball fan or... Yes, he's not the one I actually think is the D-bag. It's Tom Brady, and I think that Tom Brady needs to buy this ball from this guy (laughs) for what he paid for it. Because this guy made an investment thinking he knew what was happening. Oh, God, she's got her finger out, guys. Well, I'm sorry. I just think it's Rudy Tuesday. I mean, this guy is out a lot of money because Tom Brady was like, just kidding, you guys, I'm back. Well, to be clear, uh, Tom Brady was not auctioning off his last ball or something, right? He was not auctioning off his own balls. You are correct. But I do, I do think, like from a um, like social media standpoint, he would get some bonus points if he's like, "Hey, dude, I'll take that ball." Because we know he's got some of that money. Oh, for sure. Because I don't know if you've seen his eco mansion on, you know. He has two. Richie Rich Island. Eco yes. Estate, excuse me. Sorry, Eco Estate. And they're neither eco nor estates. Mm. Well, one of them he's just, is just in the making. So, um, anyway, all I'm saying is I just find this story to be particularly D-baggy. <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's so, I just cringed when I saw that. Oof. Ugh, yeah, it's like when, lot. it's like when the Golden Girls went and bought a Jackson, uh, Jasper de Kimmel artwork because they heard the dude was going to die and then Sophia gave him a life-saving transfusion and he survived and then they were out like $10,000 or whatever it was but they ended up trading it with the guy who was going to install a new roof because he was a huge fan of Jasper to Kimmel so in the end it all worked out thank you for sharing that Brad you're welcome Who's your D-bag? My D-bag is Hollywood Life by Bonnie Fuller. She's fooling you today. Mm. Um, Bonnie Fuller did this article. It's actually uh, someone who writes for the website, James Fituska. He he has been on this segment before. I feel like we've been acquainted with him. He's the news director over at Hollywood Life by Bonnie Fuller. And here's the article, uh, headline rather. Sean Mendez reveals how he felt about his intense... In- uh, 
Sean Mendez. Oh, wow, is intense what? Sean Mendez reveals how he felt about intense attention on Camila Cabello relationship. Oh, okay. So, I imagine I am going to be told, and by the way, this is listed under interview, so mm-hmm. I'm being told two things. I'm getting an interview with Sean Mendez, and Sean is going to reveal to me how he felt about all that intense media scrutiny mm-hmm. on his fake relationship with Camila Cabello. We call them publicationships. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then it's like, hey, Sean spoke candidly about the spotlight on his relationship. And I'm like, yes, I need to know because it's probably lies, but whatever. I'm here for it. What is the story that Sean is telling us? What? I feel like you just built this up. And what I know, gonna and I'm going to keep gonna... building it up because then Sean and Camilla were making sweet music together for more than two and a half years before they announced that split back in November. You'll remember they made hit songs like Senorita together. Mm-hmm. It's really the only song they made together. Um, in a new interview with Billboard, he spoke about how the intense attention on his private life affected him and his music. Okay. Quote! Mm-hmm. I honestly don't care. What? I honestly don't care. And? I honestly don't care. Are you that okay, was my, Sean? That was my best, Sean. I honestly don't care. No, that's all he that's said. It, period. Because what goes on with this cockamamie article, and I emphasis on the... Okay. Uh, he added that for the past year, he's focused on his spirituality, which helped him... In fact, he spent every Thursday meditating and discussing scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita with Jay Shetty, who's the author of Think Like a Monk. Oh, so he's on a journey. Okay, Mm -hmm. but that journey, don't tell me why he (laughs) felt the way he, or what he felt about his intense attention, Mm. or what. This is not what you promised me, James! Yeah, Yeah. Because then what I get is the article that I've already read days ago about his new journey, where he's like every other... Don't even get me started. I'm going to use words. Um, mm-hmm. Very privileged, fortunate person who like suddenly finds themselves on a spiritual journey, which maybe kind of sounds like it goes in line with your next album, which awesome. Sure. But I'm just not learning anything genuine right. about you as a person in mm-hmm. that in that narrative. And again, I was promised an interview and uh, an interview that told me, about your relationship with Camilla, and you didn't do that. Mm. You didn't do that, and it's not Sean's fault. It's not Sean's fault. Sean is just Sean. He's just adorable, sings great. I would go to his concert, even though I wouldn't, but I would listen to his... It. He's great. He's a wonderful person. <laughs> he's fine. But he's James Vituska over at Hollywood Life mm-hmm. by Bonnie Fuller Lies... Um has failed me yet again because you didn't promise what you said you were you didn't deliver what you said you were going to promise you go on to tell me about um sean telling billboard magazine that he thinks everybody has a moment where they just decide it's time to do something different i think that what's his name james vituska yeah i think he needs to go to headline writing school first of all because that's rude to give us a headline and then deliver us nothing on yeah, it. A tabloid that lies. How dare they? But also, I just, this is, I think, the work ethic that they push forth at Hollywood Life by Bonnie Fuller. Um, mm-hmm. So, buyer beware. I'm just saying.
It's uh, again, I'm not surprised it's a tabloid. We've done this story many, many times, and I get what Mr. Vituska just did there is he did a bait and switch, mm-hmm. and he's a master at the click. bait and switch. Uh, a master mm-hmm. bait and switcher, mm-hmm. if you ask me, James Vituska, you are a master bait and switcher. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? I, yes. Do you hear what I'm saying? I do. Okay. You don't see it, though. I do. Which is good because that would be kind of creepy. Uh, yes, anyway. Don't look. Anyway. Mm. Lies. Stop lying! Stop lying to us, to our faces. Yeah. Bradley, thank you for taking us on that journey. I'm sorry. It felt really um, tense, and I want to make sure that you're okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm fine. Okay, good. Oh, I think, yeah, no, I'm actually fine. You're fine. Side note, Uh that new Camila Cabello song about her breakup. Is it a bop? Actually, it is. Is Oh, good. Again, this is the thing. We cover all these dumb stories, and then you go out in the world and you see like the celebrities and they're doing their thing. And you're like, I kind of like that. Well, I don't need all your crap lies. See, that's the thing is back in Just my deliver day, the bops. back in the day, you know, the art spoke for itself. And, uh, you know, we just listened to it because it was good. But now we got all this distraction with these stories. Well, because the kids want to feel like they know these people. And you guys, you're not, you don't know them. No. You don't know them no. any more than I knew Elvis Presley. And uh, it's, I'm too old for that. So any more than I knew mm. Justine Bateman. Mm. Okay. I just, why Justine Bateman? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I'm From just thinking Elvis of to Justine. Bateman, I'm just thinking like people, actors that, cared about. that I cared about back mm-hmm. in the day. Just Tracy Bateman. Wells. Perfect. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, you guys. Dana Plato. Okay. For example, uh, here's somebody who you may have cared about at some point, Nicholas Cage. And you guys, he's a weird dude. Um, he seriously is. Fishy. And I've, uh-huh. I've realized I'm very fascinated with Nicholas Cage. Dino bones. I want to tell you about his latest project. And then I want to tell you about something that he and I learned about together at the same time oh, today. Oh, wow. Okay. I know we, it's pretty big. We'll talk about it when we come back after this on my talk. One Oh seven one. It's clean. Thank you, Holly. This is the Colleen and Bradley show on my talk. One Oh seven one. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. That's Bradley Trainor. Yeah. Yes. And um, have you ever heard of Nicolas Cage? Uh, I think so. Okay, he's just an actor extraordinaire. He's just a weird dude. Yes. Really great, well-known actor and notably strange person. Yeah. Eccentric. We've heard rumors. Um, eccentric. That would be a good word for him. And, you know, listen, we don't need to get into all the stories we've heard about him and dinosaur bones and fish, but thank you. Dolphins are not fish. Stop mm. it. Um, dolphin fish are fish, though. I learned that the hard way once. Yeah, um, not actual dolphins. Exactly. So he's in this new movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and he plays himself in this project. And um, apparently, this and I, the only the reason I'm bringing this up. As a separate part of the conversation of what I learned alongside Nicolas Cage this morning is because this movie has an unprecedented 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So so we're getting good reviews of this. It just debuted at South by Southwest, and the critics are 
loving it. He plays himself. He plays a caricature of himself. Um, and uh, in the movie, and which reminds me a little bit of being John Malkovich, you know, that John Malkovich played a fictional version of himself. Yeah. In that movie, anywho, um, the the premise is basically that uh, Nicolas Cage, the fictionalized version of Nicolas Cage, is uh, struggling in his career, and he finds himself in a place where he uh, is going to go to a super fans party for which he will be paid a million dollars, and then um, uh, hijinks ensue, and we don't know. Kind of, it just takes a lot of twists and turns, and. Apparently he's great in it, and apparently the critics love it. And I'm kind of excited because I just think he's a weird dude, and I'm here for some good stuff out of him. But I was watching this morning a video of him being interviewed uh, along with a lot of his co-stars. And uh, this was a an interview for Variety. And in it, he learns about something I'd never heard of it's called caging mm. so i'm gonna let the the cast of uh the unbearable weight of massive talent speak together on what caging is okay here we go when i was in middle school i used to do a thing called caging which is where you like take pictures and put them on people's lockers of you wow um people hated it i loved it people wow. found it so strange they were yeah. like who did this but it was amazing to come, like, it was such a full circle moment because yeah. I've looked up to you for so long. Well, thank you. Um, and working with you was like a dream. I mean, yeah. I, I remember similarly to you. Like, we really, I felt such a connection well, to you. We were friends, yeah. right? We had a friendship. Exactly. We still do, so it's, it's not, I'm very happy to see her again. wonder if you would ever cage Cage. Oh, you know, it like would be a dream. That would be cool, yeah. An honor. Nick, did you know about caging? No. no. <laughs> you do understand this is enormously surreal for me. This is why I dress like this. I'm ready. I'm strong. I can do this. Somebody's, somebody's been caging you all over Austin. Yeah. I, what is this? Everywhere. Is this really a thing? Is it a real caging? fan? Or is it, is it, it happened at my school, too. Did it really? Am yes. I, is, is this a trip, or am I? is this real? <laughs> There's a thing called caging? There's a thing called caging where okay. people put photos of you places. Um, Bizarre. This is the true movie. To have you there. Okay. Funnest okay. experience. Well, okay, so there it is. That's so weird. That's what caging is. By the way, that, that voice, the first voice you're hearing is actress Lily Sheen, who's in the movie with him. Uh, and then the rest of the cast is sitting around, and they're the ones that are saying, like, yeah, no, it's a thing, and it's actually happening right now in Austin. People are caging. Did you guys? know what caging was no until i read about this i had no clue what this was holly were you holding out on us <laughs> i didn't know that it was called caging right but yes, yes i knew thing. that putting nicholas cage photographs you know in a frame at a thrift store or the nicholas cage sequin pillow have you seen those no where it's a sequin pillow and you rub it the opposite way and revealed as a face of nicholas cage or there's been nicholas cage there's been caging in hotel rooms and other it's just it's a thing it's a thing apparently thing. i thought it was hilarious i also those thought kids. those kids they're so silly I also thought it was so interesting that Nicolas Cage himself, this is a thing that's been going on since uh, Lily Sheen, who was the one telling him about it. She was in high school and she's 22. So we can surmise that caging has been a thing for a while. And Nicolas Cage had no idea. Yeah. That's so weird. I just kind of love that. I bet caging reached its peak in the early 2010s. I admit, 
I missed caging. I yeah, I truly I never knew. This was a meme that I was not familiar with. Yeah. So this is, they are, like, right now at South by Southwest, there are people who are caging with a picture of Nicolas Cage and uh, a notice that says, Well, now you're going to see it everywhere, found, I imagine. Again, it's going to have a resurgence, no doubt. Anywho, um, I I just want to go on record. I think I'm probably going to need to see this uh this movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, because right. that's no small thing to have yeah. such a high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And You'll have to give us a review. Well, I'll try. <laughs> I just... And Nicolas Cage has had some moments. Um, most recently, remember, he was in a Las Vegas hotel, shoeless, and visibly impaired. Yeah, I've never been a huge Nicolas Cage fan. He just always seems kind of like, I don't know, for whatever reason, he his movies just haven't appealed to me, so I'm not... A huge Nicolas Cage, or I'm not a Nicolas Cage fan, but, you know, for those who like him, mm-hmm. he's got that quirky, you know, sort of random He is a he's, quirky is a good word yeah. for him. And he's been working prolifically in a lot of straight to uh, video yeah. video situations. I mean, look, all those dinosaur bones mm-hmm. and castles, etc., are not going to pay for themselves. And cemeteries. Doesn't he also own like a cemetery plot somewhere in... Um, like a famous cemetery. That doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't sound off base at all. Yes, he bought his tomb back in 2010. He's a weird dude, you guys. <laughs> it's a nine foot tall pyramid uh-huh. inscribed yeah. with the Latin words Amina ab uno, which translates into everything from one. Okay. So, really quickly, for those of you who are wondering, why do they keep talking about dinosaur bones? Nicholas Cage is a collector of uh, dinosaur bones. Well, he d- is he the one that like fought with Leo to Leonardo to DiCaprio, yeah, buy a particular skeleton. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a real shame that Leonardo DiCaprio's eccentricities are not highlighted in the way that Nicholas Cage's are. Because mm-hmm. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a weird dude. Dude, I bet he'll get there. I mean, I bet. I mean, I think some of it has to do with Nicholas Cage. The age of Cage, uh, you know, just sort of his position and his longevity in the business. And um, and yes, his weirdness is highlighted. Also, we keep referencing fish. Why is that? There is a rumor that Nicolas Cage, I love how everybody went silent. There's a rumor that Nicolas Cage likes to enjoy the company of fish in restrooms. Yeah, anti-lawyer has mm-hmm. put out that blind item multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... He's just a weird dude. He's yeah. just a weird dude. So uh, I learned about caging today. I'm glad that you all learned about caging today. I also learned about the unbearable weight of massive yeah. Also, I do want to add that Nicolas Cage told the New York Times Magazine that he spent $276,000 on a dinosaur skull. Yeah, well, oh I mean, if, when you have millions, 200000 ain't nothing. Yeah. He says legitimately, but it was abducted from Mongolia illegally, and then he had to give it back. Oh, my gosh. I See, he plays in a whole different echelon than we do. I, I don't even know where one goes about getting dinosaur bones. Um, but You have a broker, probably, who's like, I will go find one a, for you. A bone broker. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Um, also, my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is Raising Arizona. That's all I wanted to say about that. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, do you have a favorite? No. Okay. No, uh, like I said, I'm not. I'm not a Nicolas Cage fan. He's just always been kind of one of those people. Where I'm like, mm, he's a weird dude. I don't know. 
Movies don't do it for me. Uh, When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, uh, we are going to talk about streaming services. Uh, Some big news about two major streaming services that are building and forging a partnership. We're going to talk about that and so very many more things on the Colleen and Bradley show when we come back. Streaming services combining to make a super streaming service. And if there's anything that is indicative of 2022, it's the word streaming service. We'll talk about that after this on My Talk 1071.